Be sure to get down, good Lord, with the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. You can't get them out of your mind, no. They talk about the sports all the time. Welcome to Two Idiots Talking Sports. I'm your host, Alex. And today is Wednesday, June 28th. A beautiful day, especially in Knicks Nation, for Phil Jackson is no longer the president of the Knicks. This is an emergency podcast reacting to the news of Phil Jackson being mutually parting ways with the Knicks, as well as Chris Paul getting traded to the Lakers. A monumental day in NBA, not NBA history, but a huge day nonetheless with news and breaking news all day. Great Twitter day as always in the NBA. It's my favorite time of year. We're going to bring Julian on later to talk about Chris Paul because he's a huge Chris Paul fan and what this means for the landscape of the NBA and some other rumors going around. But before we get to Chris Paul, I'm going to riff on Phil Jackson and talk about what this means for the Knicks. I am a diehard, lifelong Knicks fan, and today I feel as good as I've ever felt as a Knicks fan in my 30 years, outside of maybe Larry Johnson's four-point play, Allen Houston's floater in Miami, but this is right up there with all of them. Going back to last night, Phil, uh, there was uh, rumors on Twitter that Dolan was starting to become unhappy. Owner James Dolan was becoming unhappy with Phil, and they were starting to enter conversations about possibly letting Phil go. Now you should know I live on the West Coast, so I'm laying in bed. It's like 10 o'clock. I'm on Twitter, and they're going back and forth about Phil, and I, I didn't know what to do, so I just turned my phone off. It's like, I'm going to bed. I'll deal with it in the morning. Sure enough, I wake up, turn my phone on, a million text messages all about Phil stepping down, saying that he's gone. This is a great day for Knicks fans. After the last two weeks, I mean, we did a podcast last week on the heels of the second string of Perzingis trade threats from Phil, the tyrant that he was as a president. Um, Just a horrible, horrible tenure, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, The timing by James Dolan is odd, saying that he just picked up Phil's two-year option just a couple weeks ago, and the draft just passed a week ago. And free agency starts in days. Still, given the opportunity to let Phil go, I would take it 10 out of 10 times. I think to understand the mindset of where Knicks fans are, we have to look back at some of the notable moves that Phil made in his three-year tenure as president of the New York Knicks. Uh, In no particular order, he traded Tyson Chandler, who was playing great for the Knicks, for Jose Calderon. He coaxed Derek Fisher into retirement to become a completely novice and green head coach of the New York Knicks, which obviously blew up in our face. He had a public spat with LeBron James, the best player, you know, one of the best players of all time and well-loved by everyone in the league. Obviously, his uh, his obsession with the triangle. He'd been publicly putting his team stars on blast, uh, Carmelo Anthony in particular saying he should be playing elsewhere. Said in a back-to-back interviews that the Knicks should 
look to trade Przingis if the right offer came along, the plan for the future, despite the fact that the Latvian unicorn is only 21. Last summer, he gave Joakim Noah, seemingly broken down already, having missed most of the season with injuries, a $72 million contract, which is already panned as one of the worst contracts in the NBA. There was the Robin, Lobos, Robin Lopez Rose trade. I actually like that trade when it happened, so I'm not going to kill him on that, but that did not go well. And then most recently, he reportedly fell asleep during a rookie workout prior to the draft, which is embarrassing, but also kind of concerning just on a health stand. You know, is he healthy enough to do this job? And I think that's where Dolan was coming from was people in his ear saying, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Is he fit enough to run an NBA organization? Which clearly he was not. And him being gone starts to a new page for the Knicks. You know, Zach and I have been potting about this for years saying, I, I mean, I've been a, when they first hired Phil, I was excited because you're bringing in a guy with 13 rings, you know, two from playing 11 from coaching one of, you know, seemingly the greatest minds in basketball. Yeah. He had no experience as a president, but he's one of the greatest minds in basketball. You know, you, you would kill for an opportunity to have a guy like that in your organization. But one of the biggest components to Phil coming in was he was going to bring in big free agents. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge was going to be a free agent. Love. Durant down the road. There was The idea was kind of like what Pat Riley does in Miami. You get a meeting. They come to New York. They go to his penthouse or wherever he is in MSG. And he just puts his ring on the table. All of his rings on the table. Just like Pat Riley in his Miami villa. Like he got LeBron where he just puts his rings out there. He's like, what are we going to do? But not only has Phil failed to bring in big name free agents... He's turned New York into the laughing stock of the NBA, which they already were the laughing stock. But in a recent, I saw a recent article where they, they ranked the Knicks as the lowest priority signing destination for any free agent this year. This is a collaboration of a combination of the triangle that Phil continues to shove down everyone's throat or continue to, the fact that he publicly had blasted his players in the media. It's just a combination of all those things were awful. So what is going to happen for the Knicks? Uh, let's see what happens going forward. Uh, in the immediate, Steve Mills will be acting. G- he's already the GM and was acting under Phil. And he will be taking over the leadership role on a, quote, short-term basis as Knicks look for other possible names, which we'll get to in a minute. But Steve Mills will, you know, free agency starts in three days. Team Players are already starting to announce where, they, you know, where they're going to be meeting Hayward today going to Miami, Boston, a few others. So Mills will be in charge until they find someone else. What does this mean for our players? Carmelo, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Chris Paul rumors today. Melo reportedly asked to be bought out again. He had asked that with Phil, but then reiterated that today because he wants to go to either Cleveland or Houston. Knicks, new brass, rightfully so, said, no, we're not going to wave you, or we're not going to buy you out, and they're going to hold on to him. You know, we'll talk about the Rockets with Julian, but I'm kind of hoping that that could open up an avenue, another team that he might wave his no-trade clause to. Perzingis, whoever they bring in, or even if it's just Mills in the interim, I hope that they sit down with Perzingis and try to bridge or heal the wounds that Phil had created 
being 21-year-old, future of the franchise, they need to make sure they're on the same page with him. But you would hope that the Przingis clan, you know, his brother Giannis and KP, you know, obviously had butted heads publicly over the last couple of months with Phil. They weren't happy with the triangle. Hopefully with Phil gone, uh, the offense will be more inventive. Hornacek will have more free reign. Um, and that will make Przingis happy. But I hope that the team reaches out and publicly apologizes, not just to Przingis, but also to Melo. I think those would be steps in the right direction. Jeff Hornacek could finally stop running the triangle, could run whatever he wants, and you know, he could start opening up the offense, pick and rolls with Przingis, shooters all around, pushing the ball more, not slowing it down in the triangle. I'm really excited to see what the Knicks offense looks like this year because they're not going to be blending in the triangle. It's just going to be a Hornacek letting him go. And in Phoenix, that was a lot of fun to watch. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Frank Nielakina, the eighth pick in the draft. That was just drafted a week ago. Some Knicks fans have been seen clamoring on Twitter. What does this mean? He was drafted. He's perfect for the triangle. We're not going to run the triangle now. He's got a 7-1 wingspan. He's got lots of talent. He's 18. This guy could ball, so I'm not worried about him. You know, will they regret passing on Dennis Smith or Malik Monk? You know, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think this changes anything, though. He's still 18 and has loads of potential and could shoot the crap out of the ball. So I'm cool with Neil Aquina. Derek Rose. Phil had continuously, despite Rose skipping a team meeting, left the door open uh, for Derek Rose coming back. That's still technically on the table. But I don't think it's a coincidence that right after, you know, Phil was fired this morning, or I guess last night, uh, this morning rumors started to report that there is mutual interest between Jeff Teague and the New York Knicks. While I'm not a huge fan of Jeff Teague, if given the option to choose between Jeff Teague and bringing Derrick Rose back, I would choose Jeff Teague 10 out of 10 times. He's only 29. He averaged 15 points a game last year eight assists four rebounds i mean he could play i think he'd be a good bridge to neil akina um you know four years 60 million dollar contract i would take that in a heartbeat um maybe not in a heartbeat but i think the knicks could do a lot worse so what about the front office this is where things get interesting one of the main components to the new president search and bringing in new leadership is the Knicks have brought on Tim Lewicki, who I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, to kind of help in the direction of the team. And this is a guy who was in Toronto, uh, used to work in L.A. and kind of helped create L.A. Live. He's a big guy in L.A. I heard him a lot on the radio today or about him. So he's been in James Dolan here. I think that was one of the reasons why Phil was let go. So this guy's already a saint in New York. And he's been advocating hard for um, Messiah Yuri, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. He was with the Nuggets, with Mello. He actually traded. He's fleeced the Knicks twice in the Mello trade and in the Bargnani trade. I think he's done a great job in Toronto. I mean, Toronto kind of is what they, what they are, but he built up the second-best team in the East. Now, they might not be anymore, but then when they peaked a year ago, he did a pretty good job. They just ran into LeBron James. This guy is a proven winner. He knows what he's doing. He's charismatic. The media likes him, which would be a welcome change to New York. Um, basically a dream uh, dream pairing in the Knicks. The problem is 
Toronto just promoted him the president of the team themselves. They saw this coming. They just gave him a big new contract. And if the Knicks are going to get him, it's probably going to have to be like a Doc Rivers scenario where they have to give up a draft pick or give up assets to get him. And for a team that is rebuilding or should be rebuilding, I don't think they could afford to give up a first-round pick in two or three years or next year or whatever they ask for. If it's cash, whatever. I don't care about James Dolan's money. And he's shown that he's willing to spend it. So if it's just money, I don't care what they spend on him because I think he's exactly what they need. If it's giving up a first-round pick or two, I don't think the Knicks could afford to do that. That being said, I hope they find a way to make it work out. And in his end, I could see the attraction because Toronto is kind of like the Clippers and what's happening with them right now. They kind of are stuck with what they have. They can't bring in anyone new. And all they could really do is re-up on guys that have proven they can't beat the next echelon of teams. So it will be interesting to see what happens in Toronto. Other names that have floated around, Sam Hinkie, which I think will never happen. But as an NBA fan, I think it would be awesome to see Hinkie come to New York and do like a mini process. Trust the process, if you will. I mean, they already have Przingis. They have Neil Aquina. My fear is if Hinky came in, he'd do a trade like Phil was talking about and try to sell Przingis off for like three first-round picks and try and rebuild that way. Anyway, I think it's fun to think about. David Griffin, the former Cavs GM of three years, he was just recently let go in his own bizarre set of circumstances. I don't love his resume. I mean, yeah, they Cleveland has been awesome and they've made a lot of good moves. I'm just curious how much of that is just LeBron doing LeBron things. He's done a good job of, you know, the J.R. Shumper trade again with the Knicks was pretty good and getting Tristan Thompson locked locked up and he's done a lot of good things and LeBron likes him a lot, which I think a vote of confidence from LeBron is good for the league. But or good would be good for the organization, but I don't know. I'm just not blown away by him. Uh, they could go internal with Allen Houston. He's the GM of their D League team. That's more plausible than Hinky or some of these other names. But he's not ready. You know, a big fear is Isaiah Thomas, who's running the WNBA team, the Liberty, right now. That would be disaster. What I hope they do. I mean, they're not going to get someone in before free agency which starts literally in three days. So what I'm hoping for is that they just take their time and they're patient because Mills, you know, I don't, I'm not saying Steve Mills is like the man and he's like, but he seems competent. You know, he was, he was the guy behind the Brzingis pick. He's been out scouting a lot. He, he puts in all the grunt work that Phil didn't do. So having him in without Phil over his head, kind of shoving the triangle down, I'm curious to see what that looks like. I'm fine with him running the ship. We got Lewinke up top at the top of the office with a few other guys. It's not like they don't have people there. So you don't, not, you don't have to have a president. I'm not saying they shouldn't bring in a guy who knows this stuff, but taking their time and finding a guy that knows what he's doing. I, Stephen A. Smith today was saying how look for Mark Jackson to be brought into the fold, or I saw the Cavs you know, with Chauncey Billups. I hate that. Okay, I, And I... Mark Jackson did good stuff in Golden State, you know, on the court. I think he kind of helped put that team together. He put the framework together of putting that team for what they are now, minus Kevin Durant. But he just, he, you know, it's, it's a, it'd be another guy coming in who hasn't done it before. I want a president that's coming in who's done it before, grinded, had success. Dolan will stay out of it. I mean, really, Yuri is the guy. He's the guy that would be perfect. I just don't want to give up a pick for him. Um, so we'll see. I don't know what they're going to do. But 
Regardless, the Knicks get a mini reset, which is exactly what they needed after the last couple of weeks. Porzingis comes back. He'll be the focus. Mello, we'll see. You know, we're going to talk about this with Julian. But if the Paul George, you know, if Houston is still looking to be active, if they don't get Paul George, they're going to call, they're going to reach out because it's reported that Mello wants to go there and Chris Paul and Mello are boys. And they, you know, and that could happen. And I would do that. You know, if the Knicks could get Mello, they could get anything from Mello. They should just hang on to Mello until he either opts out at the end of next season or they could get a trade for him. But buying him out is not an option. The Knicks have already said that publicly today, that they're not going to buy him out. So good for the new brass. Already a win. Hornacek, we'll get to see what he does. You know, we'll see what happens. They're going to offense. will open up. I still expect this team to stink. Um, they just don't. They're not very good. You know, I've read that they might look to buy out Noah. You know, maybe trade Courtney Lee. Just start undoing everything Phil did. And honestly, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with them blowing him up. I'm fine with them getting ready to rebuild. Neil Aquina's 18. Przingis is 21. That's the direction they need to go in. And getting rid of Phil, who was, you know, just kind of destroying everything in his path, destroying the franchise's relationship with Przingis, making it an undesirable destination that no player wanted to play for. All of a sudden, Phil's gone. Jeff Teague's like, I'll play there. Not that Jeff Teague's the answer, but that's a start. The Knicks could start now a new looking to the future as they wait out the Warriors and try and build around Przingis and Neil Aquina and any other young player they get through the draft over the next couple of years. So a great day for Knicks fans. I'm super happy, but that's only half the news of the day. we got to talk about Chris Paul and the Rockets. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, listen up, pizza lovers. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area and you find yourself craving some awesome wood-fired pizza check out timber pizza company in northwest dc right in the heart of petworth they've got great pizzas they've got great salads they got wood-fired empanadas they got a nice little bar in the back a lot of their veggies they get from their rooftop garden which is popping off right now delicious got great swag if you want awesome pizza Check out the pizza place that just hit their one year. Things are rocking over there. Get there early because they fill up quickly on weekends. But Timber Pizza Company, check them out. All right, I'd like a welcome to the podcast. Good friend of the pod, Julian. What's up, Julian? What's going on, man? It's good to be back. Good to be. It's been too long, and that's on me. But it's uh, good to have you back. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. Big Big day so far. Big, a big day. I just talked by myself into a microphone about Phil Jackson for about twenty minutes. So I'll spare <laughs> I'll spare you from that. It was more of just like a Mike a Nick's monologue. But uh, you're a big Chris Paul fan, and today I mean it's June twenty eighth. Free agency hasn't even started yet, and today like by like ten o'clock was just the craziest day, seemingly of the NBA year since KD signed uh, with the Warriors a year ago. So real quickly, Julian, the trade, even though most of these pieces don't even matter, uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and Montreal, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Harold from Louisville, and then a bunch of nobodies and a first-round pick for Chris Paul. Chris Paul is now on the Rockets with James Harden. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, the Clippers are a dumpster fire <laughs> to start off. Just, just from that angle, um, 
But you know what? Doc dug his own grave on that, so you can't really feel bad for him there, to be honest with you. No, he, kept, um, he, keeps re- he kept re-upping people. It's like, we're going to keep this going instead of thinking, like, the Jamal Crawford deal and the Austin Rivers deal. Or we're like, just what? <laughs> keeping it together to maybe get to the second round was not big, big picture. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it sounds like the Austin Rivers piece was a nail in the coffin for Chris Paul wanting to get out of, get out of town. Or that, that really led to a lot of that frustration combined with not wanting to trade for Melo. Um, but we can get to that later. I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think it matters. The Warriors are so good. There's not a lot of pieces that are available out there that any team can really add that's going to bring them to parity or even close to parity with the Warriors. I will say this. It's going to be fun to watch. Chris Paul and James Harden together in that offense. I'll be interested to see what Dude. else they uh, what else they bring to the table and add to that team. But at the very least, it'll be really fun to watch. They may be able to get a game or two from the Warriors. Um, but my personal opinion, you need to have you need to be really strong at the two through four positions offensively and defensively to compete with those guys. And I just don't see I don't see Houston being strong enough across the board there to compete with Golden State. I think Chris Paul's probably got two or three years of high-level basketball left, and he's already consistently outplayed by Seth Curry, so he's not going to win that battle. James Harden went to sleep um, in the second round of the playoffs before they yeah. get to the Warriors last year. So it's, it's hard to see me to, for me to see them really competing with the Warriors. It's fun to talk about. It's, it's fun that it happened today, Chris Paul and the move, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it really doesn't matter in my eyes. All right. Well, I want to defend it for a minute. I Right now, obviously, they can't touch the Warriors, but... It's a step in the right direction. I mean, James Harden is 27. Basically, the whole NBA has got two paths. They're either going to compete now or they're just waiting for the Warriors to flame out in like four or five years, maybe. If, if that even happens in four or five years. And so, but the Rock, it's not like the Rockets could wait. The Rock, like they have their superstar. Whether your thoughts on Harden aside, he's their guy. And they can't, like, they could either trade Harden and blow, him up, blow it up, which after a 55-win season or whatever they did, makes no sense. So instead, with one superstar that they had and then a bunch, seemingly a bunch of role players, they go out and they get another superstar slash all-star kind of at the tail end of his prime. I kind of love it. I There's still... This was don't, like, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't hate the move. Again, I think it's super exciting. It'll be, they're they're, they're going to be ridiculous. Their offense is going to be so but, sick. It'll be filthy. But, uh, but they're still a piece or two away from... Even, yeah, right happen. now they're, they're losing to the Warriors in max five games. But yeah. I think this was but only... They're not, they're not better than the Cavs won this year in the finals. No, they're, they're not, not. They're definitely not. probably still a sweep. They, I agree with that, but it gets them one piece closer. So now they have Paul in the fold. They've got Harden, and now they're gun blazing like half the league to get Paul George. What if they got Paul George? Does that move the? There's still another player, but Paul George, Chris Paul, and Harden in D'Antoni's offense. Yeah, that that makes them much scarier. I mean, you could basically say that, that about any much team. Scarier. Here's another scenario for you. Uh, Melo asked for a buyout today. What happens if they sign Melo in free agency? So Melo is not, well, as of now, the Knicks are not going to buy out Melo. That was like one of the first things they did post-Phil 
was Melo asked for a buyout, and the Knicks were like, we're not buying you out. You go waive your no-trade clause. Um, which I think he would to Houston. As a Knicks fan, I'm excited because it now adds another team. He, like you know, Everyone's been like, well, Melo's not going to waive his no-trade clause unless it's to Cleveland. And now instead of Cleveland, that could also be Houston. So if yep. my hope, and we'll talk about where he goes in a minute. I want to talk to you about Paul George, but... If the Rockets don't get Paul George, I think they're going to feel pressure to bring someone else in, and I could actually see him trying to trade for Melo. And as a Knicks fan, I'm ecstatic about that because they might actually get something back for him. And they have people to move. I mean, Ryan Anderson or Eric Gordon or... There's a whole... I don't know. I don't know what happens, but Melo is an option as well. I think this was only part one. I mean, it's the 28th free agency hasn't even started yet. Um, yep. I think offensively, though, do you think they'll be able to share the ball enough? The big thing that everyone was talking about today, people that were against the trade or like, I don't see how it works, is they're two of the top ten most ball-dominant players in the league. I mean, Harden's number one statistically, and I think Chris Paul was like number seven. So how do these two guys play together? I, I don't know. I have a hard time envisioning it just based on what I've seen from both of them. Well, but if anybody can do it, if any if anybody can do it in an offensive system, I have trust in D'Antoni's ability to find creative ways to make it work. But you're right; both of those guys need the ball in their hands so much for for different reasons. Um, True. One's looking to distribute. One's looking to go to the rim every time. But we did see uh, an increased willingness from Harden last year to create for his teammates. It, it's not a situation where he's as I had previously thought, just trying to, to get buckets at all times and not wounds to, to set up teammates. But it's it's hard to see him and Chris Paul in their current forms coexisting really seamlessly. It'll be very interesting to see what Dan Tony is able to do with that offense and how they can operate together on the floor. Well, yeah. I think Dan Tony's going to have his work cut out for him, but it's a, definitely a good problem to have. I see my, my vision is... Chris Paul coming off a pick and roll with like whoever, Capella or like Nene. And then if it's not there, swinging it to Harden for a second pick and roll. And you got Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon standing in the corner. And then like a lob to Capella at the rim. Like they could, they should be able to score every time down the court. With the yeah, en- they should be able to create mismatches. I'm, it- I'm trying to think, are there any, what, what are some comparable situations that we've seen in the past? That are like this one. Well, I can't think of like where the two guys have to have the balls. I like I think of the Suns with uh no, that was with Hornacek though, when they had Isaiah Thomas and Bloodsoe and Drogic. And they were mm-hmm. like I mean, none of those guys are as good as the two play as Harden and Paul, but they had a bunch of point guards. It also didn't it also didn't work. <laughs> so I guess that's the question. <laughs> Well, they were they were fifty a situation like this where it was effective. I mean, the yeah, I don't I don't know. I can't think of where the two guys had to have the ball this much, and especially if you add Mello. The thing is, if they get Paul George, it's like now this is arguably a super team, and they're a piece away from like maybe being better than the Warriors. So, uh, those are two massive ifs and maybes. But if they get Mello, who could still get buckets, like Mello could still go out and get you like twenty two points a game. 
he also needs the ball in his hands all the time too. Like that's the worst fit, I think. Forgetting that's, like that's somewhat that's somewhat true, but I think it's easier to work with that than than the the Harden Chris Paul situation. For the for the metal piece, I look at when he played for Team USA and kind of his role on that team, and that's what I envision for him on like a super team situation. Which I would love to see. Open oh. shots and shoots a ridiculous percentage, and essentially he. He's kind of like a, almost like a Clay Thompson without playing the defense that Clay Thompson plays, but just his ability to knock down shots and knock down tough shots is a huge asset if, if he's getting the buy into that role and play that role for the purposes of winning, like he did when he was on Team USA. I think that's that's where my mind goes thinking about him more so on the Cavs than on the Rockets if he were to go there. It's a little bit harder for me to believe with two Super Bowl dominant guys like Harden and Chris Ball, whereas on the Cavs you got Kyrie is pretty ball out there, but LeBron's gonna make things flow. That's that's more of a little I see for Mello though. Yeah. I mean I, I would like to see Mello off the Knicks. I mean not a Knicks like Knicks fan aside. I'd like to see Mello off the Knicks in that situation you're talking about, where he doesn't have to be the guy. He's like the third option. And especially if he's like playing with Chris Paul where all of a sudden Instead of like in the triangle where he's catching it on the wing and like just isoing all the time, getting the ball in space where he's like, oh, I'm already open. I'm going to shoot this. Or like, oh, everybody's rotating. I got a clear lane to the rim where he seemingly hasn't had that ever. He's never played with like a great point guard. I mean, Billups at the end of his no, career. Chauncey, yeah, that can yeah. Uh, I think the last thing on the Rockets, I do want to talk about the Clippers too, but the last, my last thing with the Rockets is. Harden, you know, we you brought it up earlier about in the second round, where like the most disappointing point of the playoffs for me, even though even maybe more than the finals, was Harden just completely flaming out against the Spurs, and I think giving him more help, obviously that's a good thing, but they can now like they could rest Harden, they could stagger these two, where they're always gonna have like a top. 10 player or whatever you want to call it, two of the best point guards in the league. They're always going to have one of them on the court. Like that's insane. They're never going to lose anything from the point guard position. It's like a oh, Harden's going to be yeah. out there for eight minutes and then like, we'll come out and then like it's Chris Paul's turn. Not that they'll be playing together too. And I think the end of games is where it will get super interesting. If not ter- go terribly, that's where I'm most worried. But like through the season and through a lot, most of even playoff games, just staggering them is going to be awesome. And D'Antoni's offense, like Paul going out and just killing it, and then Harden going out. We already saw he was almost MVP last year. Like, that's going to be super fun. So, we'll see. What my favorite quote, you also already brought this up, was that Paul lost faith in Doc Rivers over his favoritism for his son and not refusing to give him up for Carmelo this season for the Clippers. Which is... Makes a lot of sense, but is mind-boggling at the same time. <laughs> like, how do you, like, and again, Mello is Mello, but, like, apparently the package was Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford for Mello. And as a Knicks fan, I'm thrilled that that didn't happen. But if you're the Clippers, how do you <laughs> not make that trade? That's one of the greatest steals you could have pulled off. That almost entirely salvages Doc just habitually hanging himself as a GM if he, if he makes that move. If I mean, if I'm a Clippers but, fan, I'm so pissed off right now. Just like... Yeah, it, I mean, but, but, but at the same time, you're not surprised. 
this this is the guy that goes out and in order to get better at, at the wing position goes and signs Jared Dudley. Yeah. Goes and signs Lance Stevenson. These are the guys that he signs and brings in to try and make his team better or bring him over the hump. Jeff Green, I mean what yeah. Come on, Doc. No, Doc. I feel like Doc is Doc has lost it. He either needs to quit being a, a GM or whatever his title is, president or whatever. But yeah, I I don't want to say he's run him into the ground. I mean, they've been in the playoffs like six years in a row or something, five years in a row. But they're gonna they're blowing it up. Do you do you think they'll bring back? If you're the if you're the Clippers, are you going out and re-signing Blake Griffin? Or are you letting him walk? I think I would let him walk. Yeah. I would save the money and I would let him walk. I don't. I think he's. I think he's past his his prime and his most valuable years. You're going to have to pay way too much to keep him in town. He, I just don't think that he's going to be able to be effective as the focal point of that team. They'd have to add essentially another Chris Paul type of player. Yeah. I, I just don't. I just don't think it's worth rebuilding the franchise around him. I think it's worth saving that money. Even if you tank for a year, get a good draft pick, or if you can use that money and sign, or even if, even if you turn it into a, trying to attract Paul George or the Clippers by some off chance, or, or something that you can do next year in free agency if someone comes available. I, I just do not see building a team around Blake as a really viable option to compete. And, and like you said, it's either you're, you're trying to make moves for now to compete with the Warriors, or you're waiting and, and you know, wait them their next five years out to try and be competitive afterwards. With the Clippers, I think I'm going to take that approach. Yeah, I mean, I agree, first of all, I agree with you. I would not bring him back for the injury piece. I mean, he's 28. It's not going to happen this year or next year or whatever with him. A team centered around him, Blake Griffin, is not going to beat the Warriors. So you might as well just cut your losses not give them a five-year deal like they're talking about. That sounds like Amari Stoudemire 2.0. I know their games are different, but there's like wildly explosive athlete at the four position that's had a lot of injuries. Like I think when it's over for Blake, it's going to be over. Like he, If he goes to Boston or wherever, I could see him being awesome next year and maybe the year after. And then just once he hits like 31, 32, just snowballing. And I'm not investing four or five years into him Especially when you're going up against the Warriors, I don't, I don't care what team it is. I, I just don't know how he could make a team beat the Warriors. So, I mean, I think he's great, but I would not go in that direction. I think it's interesting. Redick, yeah. Redick is gone, which that also makes sense. DeAndre could opt out at the end of next season. Right now, they have. Right now, they don't sign Blake. They have over seventy million dollars in cap space for the 2018 offseason. And if DeAndre opts out, they could have like 90 or something astronomical. Because credit to the Clippers, I mean, Paul was leaving. Like, Paul was like, I'm going. And instead of just losing him in free agency, they did get Beverly, who could play, you know, Lou Williams. And like, a, you know, Decker and Harrell are like young players. They didn't get like, it's not like he just left. So credit to that. But 2018 free agency class, listen to this, Julian. Paul George... LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Boogie, Mello, Aldridge could opt out. Like, and then there's a ton of like those are just forget their age. I know those those are all like A B plus players. There's a ton of like, you know, Aaron Gordon's and like Avery Bradley's and other good young players. But is this a destination 
Like if they let's say they let Blake go and they have seventy to ninety million dollars, is that not better? Like, could you see LeBron? Like they're like, hey LeBron, you could come with Russell Westbrook, and while you're at it, we could probably squeeze Boogie in too, and like it's just auto like a super team all off a of free agency. Yeah, I could see that happening. However, I don't know if I see a LeBron going there if Doc Rivers is still the GM and coach. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I see a lot of stars going there after what we saw with Chris Ball experience. If he's still the GM slash coach, like he might have to go as part of this as well, as part of this rebuilding process, in order for them to attract the type of talent that they're going to want to attract. You think LeBron wouldn't like after Doc was like the coach he couldn't get by? in, like, the first part of his career? Or is he just, like, Chris Paul's out on him, so I'm not going there? Cause I, a... I don't know if it's so much the coach he couldn't get by. I think if he is probably going to weigh Chris Paul's experience because they are so close. and the decision Yeah, to go. they're like if boys. Between LA, if it's between the Lakers and the Clippers, and Doc is still the coach there, he's probably going to heavily listen to Chris's influence on that, I would imagine. All right, let's take LeBron out of it. What if, no, Paul, I was going to say, like, they could get Westbrook. And like Boogie, I don't know. I if I'm the Clippers, I don't bring back Paul. Next year's free agency, like this summer is going to be crazy, and it already has been crazy. The you know Chris Paul just got traded. You know the Phil Jackson stuff was big for me. We you know Blake Gordon Hayward. There's a lot of names out there. Paul George. Next year is going to be insane, and I know we say this every season, but next year if everyone opts out. It's going to be like seven or eight all-stars, if not superstars, that could be changing teams. Include- yeah, and, and what the Warriors have done is going to make it even more aggressive. Right? The guys are already seems aggravated with the um, the perceived pestilence that comes out of Golden State. Yeah. I think you see it any time you know, they walk into another team's stadium or they play against another team, just the emotions that come out. So they're, they're going to be very willing to move and, and and play together somewhere to take them back with the Warriors are doing. So you're, you're right. It'll be absolutely ridiculous. What about, what do you think the Banana Boat crew, for the first time in their career, Wade, LeBron, Chris Paul, and Melo could all be free agents? Because that's the big thing about the Paul deal. He could opt out this year, but he opted in and got traded under his current contract so he could be an unrestricted free agent next year. And if he wants, get a five-year like super max from Houston or he could leave Houston and go to like the Clippers or wherever, go back wherever, and try and link up with LeBron or go to Cleveland with LeBron or whatever. Like all those guys will be free agents. Would you, as an NBA fan, would you even want to see them together? Like, would you want to see LeBron team up with Chris Paul and like Melo and Wade to see if they could make it work, or would you rather him just like go to the Lakers and try and continue his career there? Or Stay in Cleveland. I would, I, would pre- I would prefer that approach because they've been talking about that for years. But I think from like a defensibility standpoint, from a defensibility standpoint of making another move, that's a lot more like, defensible in the public eye than just going to the Lakers or going to the Clippers. Like, these are his boys. They've been talking about playing together since 2003 when they came to the league. This is very well known that they have all said in public that they want to play together would welcome the opportunity to do that. I would love to see it. Do I think they could beat the Warriors? I, I don't know. That seems probably a little bit past. I mean, all those guys are going to be past their prime, except well, maybe like, the I don't know how long his prime Wait, Yeah, I don't know. I And this would be in a year from now. 
But uh, yeah, I, I do agree. It make it would it'd be a lot more in the public eye. It would go over a lot better if like LeBron's like, listen, Cleveland, I got you a ring. I'm going to sign with the Clippers because all my boys are there and that's how I want to end my career and we're going to give it one last go. Instead of like, all right, we couldn't beat... We couldn't beat the Warriors in Cleveland. I'm bouncing, and the Lakers look nice. Ingram's coming on, and Lonzo Ball, and like Paul George is going there, and we're gonna form our own super team. Like that would go over a lot. The prior would go over a lot better. We'll see. That I mean, next offseason, this offseason is gonna be crazy, but next offseason is gonna be really nuts with the LeBron. When you look, whenever LeBron is on the market and like could actually leave, that will be nuts. Uh, before I let you yeah. go, can I talk? Can we talk, Paul George? Our last thing, I just yeah, I was I was actually just about to say a lot of this hinges on what happens with Paul George this summer. A lot of next year's off seasons, um, how crazy that is, is depending on what happens with George this this off season. So if he's able to go to Cleveland, if they can trade him there, that could change the entire dynamic of next season's off season. Next year's off season. Well, I saw now I saw this on Twitter. I like him on Twitter all the time, and who knows if half of what I read is true. But it was floating around on Twitter today that Paul said he would or Paul George said he would re sign in Cleveland if LeBron re signed there. So like if he got traded to Cleveland, yep. he would stay if LeBron stayed. Which Yep, I read the same thing. I'm just gonna assume that's true because I want it to be true. Like <laughs> That would be, I will you well you and I have talked about this just the two of us. I've said it on the podcast. I think Paul George and LeBron would be awesome together. Like talk about good so fits. And I Kevin Love has been great, and that's going to factor into how they get Paul George. I think Kevin Love is still a really good player, but when you just look at the Warriors, they need athlete like to beat the Warriors. They need athleticism and wings and and Love is more this like traditional four that's just not as good as Draymond and then just gets marginalized by Draymond, so they just need to go in a different direction. And I feel like Paul George defensively, he's unselfish, he moves the ball, LeBron will make him better. That would be awesome for like the final oh, standpoint. Other teams heavily... He's, he's so much fun for the final. There's so many other teams after him hard though. What, like Boston, it is not far-fetched. And you're a, you're a big LeBron guy, so I'm curious of your thoughts. It is not far-fetched at all that Boston gets Gordon Hayward in free agency and they trade for uh, for Paul George. The pair with Isaiah and Hayward, and then it would be Al Horford and Paul George. Yeah, it, that team would be filthy. Filthy. I, like, I'm, I love Gordon Hayward. Uh, more just because... He's like a white boy who could just dunk the crap out of the ball and is like a beast. But George, George is going to make any team so good. And they believe, like, again, this is a Twitter thing, but Boston believes if he gets, if they get him there and they give him a year to be like, listen, like, Boston fans will love him. They'll, like, maybe beat the clip. Uh, they maybe go to the finals. Is he going to really go to the Lakers if the Lakers – the Lakers are just sitting here thinking they're going to get them next year. If the Lakers win like 25 games or 30 games, like they're probably going to with their current roster, like George isn't going to go from a finals team to like, oh, I'll go play for the Lakers and try and get to like 50 wins. Right. So Boston would be sick. That wasn't really a question. I asked you a question, then I just ranted. <laughs> I apologize. What about, this will be a real question. What about uh, the Wizards? Let's say, like, they pull, like, Otto Porter and, like, two first-round picks. They just go all in, and it's and it's 
Paul George, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and they keep Markeith and and whatever. Yeah, I thought they were already the best contender for the Cavs in the East last year. Yeah. I think that either Boston or Washington, if they go there, I think they're probably able to beat the Cavs in the seven-game series. Yeah. And the operative word being able, do they actually pull it off? I think Boston probably, if they get Paul George and Hayward, are more likely to. I don't know still if Washington is able to do it. Or sorry, will do it, but able, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think if... Boston gets those two guys. They're the favorite in the East, even with LeBron and Love and whatever they do. Even if they somehow got mellow for nothing, they're still – Boston would be – well, actually, I don't know if they got mellow. But the Wizards, it would be super interesting because I have a lot, lot less faith that Paul George will re-sign in Washington than he would in Boston. Like, if the Wizards go all in and then they, like, lose to Boston in the second round – like George is bouncing, and it's such a big. My, you know, I was just in D.C. this weekend, and all them, all my Wizards buddies were like, "Well, then they'll just go after Boogie." But I would, I want to see the Wizards kind of go. I would like to see it and just see what happens. But if I'm a Wizard fan, I'm on pins and needles because I have really no confidence that Paul George will resign. And then, I guess the other one would be Houston, who we already talked about, but. If the Cavs are going to get him, they've been trying hard. Nobody wants Kevin Love. Like, how are they going to get him? Like, you, you said, you texted me today. You said Paul George is going to Cleveland. <laughs> I feel like I've said that six times in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to envision a scenario outside of a multi-team deal. Um, I think that's how it's going to have to happen. I read a couple. I read a report earlier today that said that the the Cavs were shopping Kyrie too as part of trying to get Paul George there. That's crazy. Um, how would you I, feel I about that? Yep, that I would can't be. I remember the source. I do not know how reputable it was, but the source said the deal involved shipping Kyrie to Phoenix. Phoenix would ship picks to Indiana. Indiana, Paul George to. I hate that. I think Kyrie. That I, think, I do too. I hate that. It's really interesting. I haven't heard that. I've just choose to believe everything I read on Twitter is true and then have it be ruled out later when it doesn't happen. But it will be interesting. I mean, it's free agency hasn't even started. It's three days till free agency starts. Boston's going to get crazy. Paul George is going to do something nuts. Or whatever happens with Paul George will dramatically shift the power a little bit. If, I, if I'm the Lakers, though... I don't think the Lakers could just sit tight because I think it's too risky if Paul George no, goes somewhere. You can't risk him going to Cleveland and then being so ridiculously good that both of those guys want to come back for another go at it. Or yeah, you or like you said, you can't risk him going to Boston, getting to the finals, and seeing the Lakers win twenty five games and saying, you know what, I'm going to keep playing in the finals for the next couple of years. Yeah, because the Lakers are going to suck. The Lakers are going to be terrible as of now. The Lakers are going to be terrible. I'm just like, they're like a 30, maybe a 35-win team. And I know Paul George has said he wants to play for the Lakers, but if he's on a contender or goes to Houston and they now have Paul George, Chris Paul, and Harden, he's going to leave James Harden and Chris Paul to go play with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. That I don't, I just don't believe that. I don't care how much he loves the Lakers. I just don't believe that. Unless he really only cares about wearing the purple and gold, which is so bizarre to me. I just, I can't believe, I won't believe it until it happens. 
Uh, it's hard to believe if they can't wrangle other superstars to go with them. Because why? Why would you even leave the East with how the with what the Warriors? Warriors seriously, why would you? Even if even to go to Houston, I, I would I would still say I'd stay in the East and go to Cleveland or Boston rather than go to Houston with Harden and Chris Paul. I I would agree with you. I think because LeBron, a you don't know if LeBron is going to stay in Cleveland. Let's say if he went to Boston. You don't know if LeBron's going to stay in, in Cleveland, which if he left, now the East is wide, wide open. Or LeBron, even though he showed absolutely no signs of it, he is 32 with like a, like 32 with like a 35-year-old's mileage on him. So at some point, LeBron has to slow down a little. And so... Yeah, you got to expect it's going to happen sometime. In the next year or two, you would think. I, I still think he'll be able to play... If he stays healthy, which he never gets hurt, you know, into his late 30s, I think he'll still be super effective. He's just going to need a lot of help to keep playing, getting to the finals. He won't be able to just carry teams unless he's in the West and he won't be able to get by the Warriors. But this reason, my closing thoughts, this is why I'm happy the Knicks suck right now because it's a good time to suck because you have to be so freaking good to, to even like, to maybe lose to the Warriors in six games. Like, it, I agree. your opening point with none of this matters, agreed. None of this matters for at least two years. But as these, like, dominoes fall, like, Houston has two stars now. If they could get a third, they're, like, one home run trade away from, like, having a super team. Just like what happened in Golden State. They had three, and then out of left field, they signed Durant. When no one said it could happen, they signed Durant. So... It's interesting if, like, as these teams get closer, maybe in the next year or two, maybe it could happen. But the next two to three years are the Warriors, and nothing, anything happens in the league could change my opinion of that. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Uh, all right, Julian. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we've got to get you on again. I, like, completely blame myself. It took me so long to get you back on the pod, but it was really fun to have you on. Um, and we will be in touch. And it's my favorite time of the NBA year. The offseason is always more exciting than the actual regular season. So, and, <laughs> when you're a Knicks fan, at least. Yeah, I know. Well, Knicks fan usually it's like they're like just dreading what move they're going to make. But now that Phil's gone, honestly, there's nothing they could really do outside of trading Przingis, which is now out the window now that, that Phil is gone. I just feel great that I know Przingis will be around and we could start going in that <laughs> direction, regardless of your thoughts of Przingis. Um, we'll see, man. Knicks are going to they're, – they're rebuilding. They're, they have 18 and 21 year old. They're going to build around them. Well, and then by the time they're ready to compete, the Warriors will be done. So we'll see. And that's <laughs> my selfie. Yeah, well, that's my story. All right, thanks, Julian. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, later. Peace. Be sure to get down, good Lord, with the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. Ooh, you can't get them out of your mind. No, they talk about the sports all the time.